0: Now, let's get to work. Hello, and welcome back to the Art of Entrepreneurship and happy 2024, first episode of the new year. And we're starting out with a little different format than usual. We are going to welcome guest Micah Lawrence, who is the owner of Tailored Consulting, and he specializes in leadership and team development and training. And we are going to go through my Strengths Finder or Clifton Strengths results. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope that you find this interesting and applicable to you as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And first and foremost, I would love for you to tell the audience and everyone listening, what makes you qualified to talk about this topic today? Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually started a company about three years ago, a consulting agency where we build a culture of engagement for the clients that we work with. And the way that we do that is we um, we first grow the leader and then we grow the team. And a lot of this comes from my experience working with leaders as an ICF certified leadership coach. But I'm also a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach or a Clifton Strengths Coach, which is what we're going to go over today. So I've been doing this for about 10 years, even though I only started my business three years ago. And despite the certifications, I feel like most of my learning about how to accomplish building a high-performing team and a culture of engagement has come from experience working with leaders and teams and helping them grow. There are a lot of really great assessments out there, things that people have heard of like DISC and Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. I like them all. I think they're all useful. I use the Clifton Strengths assessment because it's a little bit more robust. We get more out of it. But rather than flying blind as a leader and just hoping that you can communicate with people the way that they need to be communicated, we use this tool so that you actually can target how you approach working with this employee versus this employee or this client versus this client because you know you know, what's good for them, or you feel like you understand them a little bit better.
0: And you know what? I've taken a lot of those other tests and they all tell me pretty much the same thing in disc. I'm very red and pretty straightforward in Enneagram. I'm a challenger. And, and in this one, it was very interesting because I got results that I hadn't necessarily seen in some of those other assessments. So tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be doing today.
1: Okay, so we're we'll kind of split our conversation into two chunks. Well, the first will be keeping it big picture. Where did this come from? What's the history behind it? Why why do we use a tool like the Clifton Strengths assessment? And then the second part will get into your strengths report. And we won't have time to go over all of your strengths, but I think that if we touch on four or five of them and we can hover over them really quickly and just kind of uh crack the surface a little bit and understand what these might look like in people like you who have these strengths, I'll give you plenty of opportunities to kind of, I use the term defend yourself. Sometimes I'll I'll share (laughs) about some of these strengths because I'm using both an academic definition and I'm sharing a little bit about my own experience working with other people who have these strengths, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be how it shows up in you. And I always want people to feel empowered to say, no, that's not quite me. Well, I
0: can't wait, especially we were talking before this, that you said my results were interesting and I can't wait to hear what interesting (laughs) means. (laughs) Okay, cool. Let's dive in.
1: So for decades, there's been this focus on what we've called deficiency-based development. It's kind of this approach to personal and professional development that relies on us identifying what our weaknesses are. And by addressing those weaknesses, we can become more well-rounded people. And over 50 years ago, there was a man named Don Clifton, who saw a lot of the research and the psychology behind this approach to personal and professional development. And as he, he didn't like it. As he was looking at what was going on with this, he asked the question, what would happen if we focused on what's right about people instead of focusing on what's wrong with them? Because that's what he thought deficiency-based development was doing. So he actually started decades of research based on that question. And he wanted to know, what is it that makes some of the most successful people in the world successful? What's good about them that's contributing to their success? And they realized through their studies that the most successful people in their field have in common that they don't really work on their weaknesses. They all leverage their strengths and develop their areas of talent to become amazing, and world-class in their areas of talent and not worry so much about their weaknesses. They don't ignore their weaknesses completely. They know what their weaknesses are, but rather than investing in their weaknesses, they surround themselves with people who are strong in the areas where they're weak. And that's the difference. That was the difference between very exceptionally successful people and average performers. So we we live in a world where we focus on deficiency-based development in the name of becoming well-rounded. If I work on this weakness and I become competent at it, then it won't be a weakness anymore. Then I can work on the next weakness and become competent at it. But once I'm competent, I'm going to find the next weakness. And so we're always working on our weaknesses so that we can be well-rounded. And what the strengths-based development research that Don Clifton found uh, said that was that we we shouldn't be well-rounded as individuals, actually. We should be well-rounded as teams. And so that research, as a from a big picture perspective, strengths-based development is focused on being well-rounded as a team and being vulnerable with one another and a- asking for help and complementing each other in your areas of strength and weakness, rather than trying to be a group of individuals who are all competent enough that they don't need one another. That's the idea behind strengths-based development versus deficiency-based development. So ultimately from the research, there were 34 strengths that came out of their research that they realized, wow, every single one of these 34 strengths, somebody has leveraged to be successful or it has contributed to their success. And while everybody has some of the 34 strengths, Nobody has all of the 34 strengths. And that's what implies that we need one another. And the the two things that are helpful to keep in mind as you think about your top strengths is your top 10 or so strengths are what they call your dominant strengths. They're the things that come so naturally to you. You don't really even have to think about it or try. So if your top 10 are your dominant strengths, the two things that that implies are the, the obvious one is I'm good at these things. If you were to engage in activities or tasks that leverage your top 10 strengths, you're likely to pick those up faster than other people who don't have your strengths. And so you're going to, or are more likely to be successful at the types of activities that leverage your top strengths. Mm-hmm. But that second thing is what I was implying before, our top strengths or our top 10 strengths are also an indicator of the things that will energize us. So we are going to enjoy those things and feel uplifted and energized when we engage in activities that leverage our top strengths. So if you look at the bottom of your list, a lot of people want to look at the bottom of their list because they think that's where they're going to find their weaknesses. And I'm always like, no, 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 those aren't your weaknesses. The bottom of your list or like your bottom five strengths, those are going to be the things that you're likely to struggle with. They won't come as naturally naturally as they would if they were in your top strengths. And those are the things that are likely to drain you. It doesn't mean you're incapable of those things. It doesn't mean that they're weaknesses just because they're at the bottom of your list. It just means that you'll have to work harder for it and you're not gonna enjoy that work as much. Okay. And the reason or the way that this works is I like to think of it as living on kind of a spectrum where the middle, the middle of the spectrum is your talent. And when Gallup first did this research, they actually didn't call these strengths. They called them talents. A talent is a naturally occurring pattern of thought, feeling, or behavior. These are just tendencies and preferences that exist in me as described by these strengths or these themes. And the talent itself is neutral. It's not good or bad. But when I leverage that natural tendency or that talent in a positive, mature, intelligent way that serves me and other people, that's when a talent becomes a strength because the situation is right. The timing is right. It's welcome by other people. That's a a strength. On the flip side though, sometimes we misuse or we overuse our Mm -hmm. talents and that's when they get us in trouble. And what we're trying to accomplish through self-awareness and learning these things is we wanna take control of that rather than just saying, hey, this is who I am and everybody else can deal with it. I want people to take back control and say, no, no, you're, you're in charge. You should know what these talents look like in you. And then you get to decide, is this one of those situations where I lean into this because it's welcome, it's mature, it's a positive application of this natural talent? Or is this one of those times where I'm kind of forcing it on people or it's not an appropriate time or place and I need to dial it back a little bit and save that for another time? That's what we're going for here is I get to choose how I show up in my life.
0: Well, I'm already thinking about some of my talents in the top 10 and how sometimes I use them well, and sometimes yeah. they turn into weaknesses. So yes, I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Okay, cool. So what makes, your, what makes your report unique is there are four categories. So from a big picture, there are 34 strengths total, but then Gallup realized, oh, we could actually categorize these into four different domains. And those mm-hmm. domains are strategic thinking, influencing, relationship building, and executing. That influencing domain is by far the least common of all of the four domains. Mm -hmm. And in every case, but one in 10 years of doing this, I've only met one team where influencing wasn't the least common of all of the strengths. Most of the time, somebody will have one or two of the influencing strengths in their top 10 or 12. And in your case, you have six, no, you have seven of the eight influencing strengths in your top 12. That is uncanny. That is just so uncommon. If we're talking about things that come naturally to you and that energize you, I would expect that you're, you're really good at and energized by podcast conversations, fundraising, maybe even networking, uh, standing on a stage and giving a presentation to a group, feeling not just comfortable with that, but kind of enjoying it. Whereas a lot of other people who don't have influencing strengths, that's the last thing they want to do. They're actually very uncommon. And you have that to offer in ways that you might not think are a big deal, but other people do. Have you ever felt that where you feel like, well, what I bring to the table isn't really as much as maybe this person who's, you know, financially gifted or um, very disciplined and structured and organized
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because some of those skills are considered more hard skills, right? Like being organized, being good at finance. Whereas some of the things that I'm good at, like I can position any message in a positive manner. And even when I'm giving hard feedback, I try to make people walk away feeling like inspired and motivated to do better and stuff like that, and that is so much less of a, you know, like how do you tangible put that skill? In, uh, my <laughs> yeah. I, like my leaders on my team come to me and they're like, I need help positioning this right, and so that is, I would assume, one of those influencing type skills. Absolutely, um, but it's just that's commu-
1: I would say that's communication, which is your number three strength, oh, yeah. that ability to articulate something clearly that may be harder for somebody else to articulate.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, great example. Well, and one of the things that I, I I will often share with people that really articulates the value of what this is, you shouldn't have learned much when taking this assessment, you shouldn't have learned much about yourself that you didn't already know. And so what the value of this is, is not to tell you things that would surprise you about yourself, but to give you a shared language or a common language to use To explain things about yourself that you've always known, but that either you didn't know how to explain or you didn't realize needed to be explained. And that's where this gets really powerful is now I realize I I thought that everybody thought like that or I didn't realize that this thing that comes naturally to me is really hard for somebody else. Or this thing that's really easy for someone else that's always been hard for me is something that I could leverage in them or more often than not, there's almost always this aha moment that people will have where there's somebody at work that they don't get along with that they've had friction in their relationship before. And whereas they used to see their differences as a problem in the other person, I wish that person would change. I wish that person were more like me. I wish that person stopped doing or thinking this way. And when you frame it from a strengths perspective, it's a lot easier to increase tolerance among team members because you stop looking at your differences as a problem in them, and you start framing it as a strength. Like, oh, that's actually a strength in them that I just wouldn't understand because I don't have that strength. Yes. But now I can appreciate that and even leverage them as a partner when we need to leverage their strength that I don't have myself. And it's a really powerful shift in mindset in the way that we look at and tolerate our, uh, our differences among co hmm
0: Interesting. I'm going to use this after, after this. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so, man, I hope so. Okay. So
1: let's, let's talk about a couple of your specific ones. Um, I'm going to start at number one, just because that showed up at the highest. There's some, there's probably, it's probably so normal for you to think this way. Sometimes when I describe this to people who have strategic at number one, like you do, they're almost like, I don't even get that. Like, how is that even a thing? It's so much a part of the way that you think. Sometimes it's hard to realize that not everybody thinks like this. So people with the high strategic strength tend to be really good at seeing patterns and trends. We often talk about this strength being a see around corners strength mm-hmm. because you're you're so good at recognizing the patterns that are here present today or that you've collected from the past. I joke sometimes because you people with strategic at number one can sometimes be the worst to watch movies with, especially if it's like a mystery because you see the patterns early on in the movie, and you're like, that person did it. And every, and you just ruined the movie for everybody else. But to you, those patterns or the, the placement of clues along the way, you're processing always. And so you're constantly collecting data almost inadvertently. It's just coming into your subconscious. It's that email that you read, that news article that you read, the person that you talked to, the thing that you heard. Those all paint a picture. And then once that last piece clicks into place, the future becomes more clear. Have you noticed like what what does this look like for you
0: So to me I would would have always interpreted this as intuition and I always follow my intuition. Sometimes I don't even know why I'm doing the things that I do. And also on the flip side, where this becomes a weakness, I talk to my therapist about this all the time, is you can (laughs) use it as a defense mechanism, right? If you can think 10 steps ahead and think through all of the different ways that it might go, then you can protect yourself from certain situations, or you can try to shield yourself or others, you know? And so it can be negative as well. Um, Yes. And also the moving Annoys the crap out of my husband. And I'll I'll usually pick up all the clues, guess what I think is gonna happen, and then I look it up while we're watching it. And he's yeah, like, and then you he's like, Why are you e-? I'm like, I know what's gonna happen. And I always I do that with books too, and then it annoys the hell out of him because he's like, Well, it's why you're are you right. even watching this anymore? <laughs> if you already guessed and looked yeah. up what's happening, like, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I well, have that's... to do it that's part of that's part of the value of this too is is not just increasing our self-awareness but increasing our others' awareness realizing yeah. this is unique this is not something i should force on other people just because it's easy for me mm-hmm. the one thing that i that i warn leaders about when they have high strategic is that you can be adamant that you're right because you have good data you've been collecting all of this data you're good at pattern recognition and you've thought through the scenarios but what i remind them of is that Just because the data that you have leads to an outcome that seems clear and obvious to you doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the data. And it it could take one more piece of data from somebody who has information that you didn't, that could change the trajectory of where things go because you now have that data to include in your pattern matching. So keep that in mind that it's in your best interest to include as many thought partners as possible so that you increase your scope of, of data or information to make decisions based on. And then your conclusions will be even more and more accurate over time.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I have to stop myself from saying, I knew this was going to happen, or I thought this was going to happen. And then, and I think it's kind of a self self self-fulfilling thing, right? Because when you, look to the future and you make a guess or assumption on what you think is going to happen and then it does happen and then it's like okay well now i really think that i'm right in the future and then you get to that situation where you're really adamant that yes i completely see exactly how that applies to my life
1: (laughs) okay let's talk about a couple of the strengths that are less common in the influencing domain yeah so you have in your top 10 you have The two least common strengths of all of the strengths, the the number one least common is called command. And the second to last least common is Mm self-assurance.
0: So command
1: is a strength that in the general population is already uncommon, but it's even less common in women. And so what often comes up is people with high command as a talent tend to be, they just have this like leadership DNA they like to be in charge they don't mind sharing their opinion they they can be imposing sometimes i want i'm okay imposing my view on people and i want you to challenge me back if it's wrong and i'm going to challenge you if i think you're wrong and it's this just comfort with making decisions and leading people and make like making a decision for others can be a really daunting thought for some people. But for someone with high command, it's easy to just be like, well, somebody's got to do it. Let's just do this. Follow me. And it's this like external presence, this feeling of leadership and um, presence is a great word for it that makes people want to follow you because you just seem like you know what you're doing. And they are drawn to that. People are drawn to that. Now, on the flip side, you have probably been told that you're intimidating before. And sometimes, so many, so many times. Okay, that's exactly
0: that's, what I was just thinking about. That's when were command. That.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell me about it.
0: Oh, being intimate. I don't. I I think about that all the time. I'm like, aren't I friendly? Aren't I? You know, uh-huh. all of these things, supportive, giving, all of these things. Like, what makes me so intimidating? Uh, and that that makes sense. And I think it ah. seems like it ties in with being self assured as yes. well in some ways. Yes.
1: Well, if you think of it this way, just from the rarity, thinking about the rareness of the command and self-assurance strengths, it's logical to think that because it's uncommon, when people face it, when they see it in somebody and they are now interacting with someone with that strength, they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. They've never, they rarely experience that. It's not something they come in contact with every day. So when somebody shows up who's self-assured and confident and decisive and even opinionated, it's almost like, oh, I haven't, they haven't practiced interacting with someone like you because someone like you with those strengths isn't very common. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's worth keeping in mind though, the fact that you can soften your approach when you need to or lean into this when it's required, when it's needed, when it's welcomed by other people, because they're looking for leadership. You can be at your best in moments of chaos, because that command shines through. And it and it communicates, follow me, I know what I'm doing. And that's yeah. when you, th- those moments of chaos is that you're going to shine in those moments. And the idea here is you, you choose, you get to choose when you lean into it, and when you need to dial it back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that one that all sounds very familiar to me and I can see the flip side of it where like you mentioned decision making making decisions is very easy for me and I can do it quickly it's not always the right one right Um, and I think it ties into that intuition too so that can be a negative use of command and I think that you have to really work on how you How you show up, how you speak to other people, how you position things back to positioning and using your command in a positive way, because I think that you can use that trait to lead people, um, in a negative way. Or if you have that in combination with being reactionary, I think that that can be very negative as well. And that's something that I've always worked on. Um, so yes, I definitely can see just like you said, um, the talent or the trait being used in both ways, I can see how it shows up on both sides for me.
1: Okay. Two, two quick thoughts. We won't spend as long on these. I just want to, I think it's I think it's fascinating to think about for you that self-assurance being number 10 and that being one of the lower uh, or the second least common is is a very powerful strength because it's almost like this internal command. It's this internal confidence in who I am and what I'm capable of. Like I am an independent person that makes my own decisions. And if my life isn't going the way that I wanted it to, that's my own fault. And I can make choices that align my life in the direction I want it to go. It's just like this internal compass. I believe in myself. I believe in my ability to make good decisions. And I know who I am. Does that resonate with you?
0: Yes, that definitely rings true to me. And anything anytime something bad happens, I always say, It's gonna be fine. And my yeah. husband says, Well, what do you mean? Like, how is it gonna be fine? And to him, I almost think that Sometimes that sounds naive to him because it's like, what do you mean? Everything's not just fine. And he's, he has a very analytical mind and I know it's fine because I'm going to make it fine. Right. And I think that is that self-assured nature.
1: Yes, exactly. It's I'm, it's not external forces on me. It's me on external forces. I'm not the victim here. I'm the hero. I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to own, own up to my decision and the path that I create for myself. Yep. Cool. Totally
0: true. Absolutely.
1: The one, the one other thing I would keep in mind about self-assurance is that because you're so confident in your own capabilities and decision-making, people with high self-assurance n- never ask for help.
0: <laughs>
1: and that's not good. I mean, we yeah. we need to be aware of the fact that you you shouldn't do it all. You don't have to do it all. And when you're not okay, it's okay to not be okay. People with self-assurance struggle with that the most. So keep that in mind, ask for help especially when your self-assurance is telling you you can do it and you don't need it. Sometimes we just need to accept that it's okay to, to ask for help from other people.
0: Yep, I completely see that. And I often struggle to ask for help until I'm like, on the verge of a breakdown and training yourself yeah. out of that, I think is really important. And that's, I talk a lot about that on LinkedIn is like the messages yeah, that I need to hear myself are the messages that I put out there and like things like it's good. okay to not be okay. And we're not all a hundred percent a day. And I'm like, remember it, Jackie, you can learn this. You've got good. it. <laughs> so, I yes. love it.
1: Yeah. See, you're already in a good habit of that or a um, pattern of thinking that that you're aware of it more than most people who have high self-assurance. That's fantastic.
0: Well, that's good.
1: Can I just point out one more quick one that I think is yeah. just a compliment to you? I Your strength, your number four strength is one of your only relationship building strengths, but it's probably my favorite relationship building strength or the one that I admire the most when I see it in people. It's called Includer. And people with high Includer just tend to be really accepting and loving people. Like they look at others and their quirks and what makes them unique. And they look at um, outsiders and they want to bring them in. I just loved seeing that. I thought that was a cool contrast to what you would maybe typically expect from somebody with high command.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think that when we were talking about people you don't get along with at work, I was thinking there aren't many people that I get along with. You know, I think I can just see everyone for who they are. And on the flip side, I hate being left out and I invite a zillion people to everything. (laughs) And, and that is also the includer that can be good and can be not so good, you know, like puts a little bit of stress on yourself, but yes, that definitely, it was very funny. Like I said, a number of things that I saw in this report are not things that I've seen before in other assessments, but they rang very, very true. Every single thing that we talked about today, I was like, ah. Yep. I absolutely can see how that shows up in in myself. Well, I I appreciate it. it. This was really cool. I loved the conversation and digging into all of it. And for everyone listening, where can they go and take this test, connect with you, learn about themselves?
1: Yeah. Well, so I'm, for me personally, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You and I, you know that you and I are both pretty active. Um, I also have a, um, a link that I can share with people to just take you directly to the Clifton Strengths assessment, or you can Google Clifton Strengths Gallup and it will, um, it'll have plenty of links to take you there. So it's not something that that I have exclusive access to. Anybody can take it whenever they want. It is a little bit expensive if you want to take the full assessment, but for anybody who's interested in, so it's like $60, $60, If anybody's interested in personal development or professional development, and they know that they'll actually read their report and think about these things and put it into practice, it's 100% worth the effort. I actually, I encourage people to do it with their partner too. have their uh, partner take the assessment. And even if it's over months and months, talk about what these strengths look like for you, because it'll help you not just internalize uh, these things about yourself, but you will have some aha moments with your partner that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And that could be really meaningful too. So more than anything, find me on LinkedIn. I love it when people uh, interact, message me, comment. It's my favorite.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for everyone that's listening, if you loved this episode, you got value out of it, please make sure that you connect with Micah and that you share this episode so that more people can hear this message. Thank you.
1: Thank you.